This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Well, first-time parents are often excited but also scared and a bit overwhelmed at the prospect of caring for a new life. Here with more on what new parents need to know is Kathy Narcavage-Bradley. She's a registered nurse and the coordinator for Upstate's Best Beginnings Childbirth and New Family classes at Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Kathy. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me, Linda. So becoming a new parent can really be a scary proposition. Tell us what you found in your role as a medical educator. Um, Yes, first-time parents especially come to us taking these classes just being somewhat overwhelmed with all of the various information that is out there on pregnancy, parenting, labor and delivery. And um, they come to our classes and I help to um, encourage them to really um, educate themselves. Maybe dispel some myths. Dispel some myths, exactly. And um, really kind of be a backboard for them as well as providing them with the most up-to-date um, evidence-based information so out let's, there. So let's start. Give us. I, I want to do that kind of a thumbnail for the various stages okay. and have you give us a couple of do's and don'ts or a couple of principal points or tips. During pregnancy, what are some of the things you tell your, your uh, class your class people. Yeah, well, we do. I do go over some do's and don'ts, um, and really the some of the basic things, such as um, getting early and regular prenatal care throughout your um, pregnancy, following good nutritional principles, such as um, following the My Plate recommendations of the USDA at ChooseMyPlate.gov, um, taking a regular prenatal vitamin as recommended by their OB provider, staying hydrated is really essential in pregnancy, exercise, um, as long as there's no medical um, um, restrictions, right, they, um, exercise is good for pregnancy, um, labor and delivery, um, and also stay within, try to um, get good good amount of sleep, minimize stress during your pregnancy, what about, um, and all sorts. What yeah. about weight gain these days? I know that that has been something that's changed over the years. At one point, there was a real attempt to restrict the amount of weight that a woman would, would um, put on during pregnancy. And then there was a period where they said, no, you can put on as much as you want. And we're, the pendulum keeps swinging back and forth. Where are we today? Um, generally, um, moms, for an average size mom, should gain about 25 to 35 pounds during their pregnancy. However, you want to follow, I always instruct um, new moms to follow what their OB provider recommends, because some moms it may be less if you're um, heavy, start out your pregnancy in a heavier weight, or some moms it may be more if you're underweight starting out with your pregnancy. So there are guidelines, and yes, it's, um, but just follow your OB provider's recommendations. And I try to tell moms, you know, remember you're growing a baby. You're growing a baby, and don't, you know, be too concerned about, um, about that. So exercise is important, but how about if somebody was, for example, a marathon runner or a very, you know, somebody who really exercised very rigorously prior to pregnancy, should they continue to do that during pregnancy? Right. Generally, whatever moms have been doing for their regular exercise is generally is what um, is fine to continue, um, you know, based on what your OB recommends. So yes, it's generally considered. So it's not a no-no at all. No. And, And how about choosing or figuring out 
kind of how you want to give birth or where you want to give birth or under what circumstances. What do you, you know, do you kind of in your classes go over all the variety of choices? I mean, obviously when right. people come to you, many of them, most of them already have an OB right. chosen. Right. Yes. Generally, um, yes, it's a great thing to um, look at your your OBs as far as um you know, choosing an OB. And that generally will start before you're pregnant and, and before you've come to my classes. Generally in our classes, we, um, you know, um, couples, moms are already established with their OB provider. So we don't so much focus on that, but we do focus on um, choosing a pediatrician, um, you know, how to find um, a pediatrician and, and at that point, because many, many don't have a pediatrician at that and point. And that's a very important choice. But right. how about in terms of choosing how to give birth or whether to get anesthesia, what, right. what type of kind of pain relief right. is important? I mean, is part of your training of these moms you know, because way back when I was giving birth, mm -hmm. you know, there was a real emphasis on the Lamaze technique and, and natural birthing. Right. And, and where are we at today? Um, so what we, um, what I tease, I'm actually a certified Lamaze educator, as well as um, the classes we teach are called prepared childbirth, which basically we're providing information to moms and their support people or partners on what is... Um, what what options are out there? So we do um, provide Lamaze breathing and relaxation techniques. I do provide all sorts of information, and we practice comfort measures in our classes. However, um, we also do provide information on the risks, the benefits um, of the various OB um, interventions, medical interventions that may come up in labor. So we do cover pain management medications, analgesia, anesthesia, um, epidurals, all of that information. Since um, it is a very um, common procedure, epidurals are really um, common these days, and many moms choose that. So we do go over the options. However, we do cover the risks and benefits so that parents, moms um, can make informed decisions. So it sounds to me like the whole message here is plan and prepare. I mean, know, know what the options could be, think right. through what you might want, and then, but be prepared should you not be able to have what you want. Let's say you have a more problem problematic birth and you might have to have a C-section. Exactly, it, right. We try to prepare, and we do cover cesarean sections as well, which it is important because, um, you know, for moms to be prepared in the event that was a necessity during their labor. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with registered nurse and parenting educator Kathy Narcavage-Bradley. We're talking about what all new parents need to know. Let me flip now to new parents of a newborn. I mean, what are the kinds of things that you tell parents of a newborn in terms of what's important? First of all, I can remember even way back the importance, uh, I was told even in the hospital, you had to have a car seat or a, a perfectly acceptable registered car seat in, in order to take your child home from the hospital right. to begin with. But along with, the, along with those lines, along those lines, what are some of the other things that you begin to tell new parents? Um, well, we encourage, yes, all the safety, various safety um, topics are um, really key and often on the tops of new parents' minds. Um, we really highlight um, the importance and the benefits of 
um, breastfeeding for new moms and new babies. There's so many um, health benefits for mom as well as baby. Um, and we really get into delve into that so that um, that's on, on the, the radar for all new is, parents. Is it true since some people may not want to? I know that in my life I breastfed my children until almost a year of age. Uh-huh. But I think there are, there's kind of a new way of looking at it that perhaps if you can at least do some breastfeeding the first month, the first two months, what have you, even that is better than nothing. Right. So it isn't all or nothing. Am yes. I correct? Yes. Any breastfeeding is better than no breastfeeding. However, what, what the American Academy of Pediatrics and all um, recommend is exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months, really to get the best, the most benefits in from terms of the breastfeeding. Immunin- for the Im- Yes. The um the um, antibodies that mom passes on to baby, um, as well as all of the um, various health benefits that uh, go along with breastfeeding. So babies have lower risk um, of infections, as well as lower risk of SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, lower risk of asthma, eczema, as well as certain adult diseases such as obesity and breast cancer. And really? the list goes on. There's there's some um, so many benefits. And really, the bonding experience for mom and baby. Um, we really encourage moms um, to do um, skin to skin right after delivery to in- boost that breastfeeding success. Um, really, uh, the first two hours, if they can have skin to skin contact, at least for that first hour, it increases breastfeeding success. It also helps to stabilize baby's blood sugar, temperature levels, and increases that bonding experience. So it's really beneficial. Is, is there a service now made available to new moms who have just delivered in terms of people helping them with lactation? I yes. Mean, is that, is yes. that readily available in yes. hospitals today? Yes. Um, hospi- you know, all hospitals, most hospitals, I should say, ha- have lactation services, so lactation consultants. And then all the n- nurses in the hospital are trained on providing breastfeeding assistance with um, new moms. And I encourage new moms in my classes to utilize the nurses in the hospital um, to help get that, you know, their baby's latch, um, you know, have them um, assist as far as checking to make sure baby's latching on properly and breastfeeding properly. So. so I guess one question I would ask, because it seems to me to be one of the largest things that uh, challenges that face new parents, and I'm talking about new, new parents in the very beginning of bringing a newborn home, right. is this issue of sleep and sleep deprivation. Right. Where the baby should sleep, under what circumstances should you sleep, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Right. What's your overall recommendation there? Yeah, great, great question. Um, really, what is recommended to decrease um, the risk of SIDS? Really, it's recommended that new babies sleep in the same room as mom. So, in the hospital, we practice rooming in, or most uh, rooming in, where mo- baby stays in the room with mom. However, in a separate sleep environment, so baby has its own crib or bassinet you know, right near mom's bed bedside um, is really the best place for babies to sleep. And for how long would that be the, the kind of desired Generally the, situation? Generally, the highest risk for SIDS is um, the highest risk babies are from the ages of two to four months of age. But really, um, you know, during that, it's going to be an individual basis. But, you know, during that first year, at least those six first six months um, would be... So you're saying it's really desirable to have the baby in the room with the parents, the mom, during the first six months, 
basically in a separate bassinet crib or something like that, but within arm's reach kind of thing. Right. And that, you know, it's going to be an individual basis as far as when the parents have them in a separate room, but it really helps to ease um, breastfeeding, facilitates breastfeeding, and also decreases that risk for SIDS. SIDS meaning sudden infant death syndrome, which I wanted to make sure Um, we made that clear. So, um, in terms of, though, this whole notion of sleep deprivation or sleep, sleep training, I mean, when is it possible or what, what, do, what should new parents expect in the beginning? Right. And then when can you start to see some kind of pattern emerge where you can begin to get some normal stretches of sleep? Right. Um, it's, it's going to be um, individual to, to the baby. There's no real, real standard. But um, your um, baby's sleeping in the room with you, moms, you're going to be breastfeeding. If you're breastfeeding your babies, you're going to be feeding them at least a few times during the night. Um, you know, by a, by a few months or so, you can expect them maybe to be sleeping through the night, but not, you know, all, all babies are going to follow a pattern. Really, for young babies, you can't spoil them. So, you know, you want to provide them that attention, um, um, when so they're it's, crying, or what? So it's on-demand feeding. On-demand feeding, exactly, is at, what is recommended. But at some point, is there a need to then encourage, or when you have a sense they can sleep longer yes. stretches, to encourage them to stretch? Right, right. You're gonna um, put them down, you know, asleep, awake at night um, as they get older, and um, they can, you know, will eventually sleep through the night on. So the hope is that you will start some kind of a sleep training, perhaps after four or five months of age? Right, yes. Um, eventually you'll be, you know, your baby will still need to nurse or um, at overnight. will have sleep times when they will need to nurse at night and feed at night. But yes, um, at some point you will, um, they will sleep in their own um, environment and will sleep through the night. But it is individual to the baby, so I can't you know, as far as time frames. Right, of course, it, it's very individual. Well, thank you so much. This is a, there's a lot to cover here and there's a lot of information, but it's wonderful to know that you're offering all these classes and that people can go online and find out more about the variety and the vast variety of classes and courses that you're offering for expectant new parents. And I encourage them to do so. And thank you so much for coming in and sharing this very quick overview of um, what parents can expect in terms of a new child. Thank you so much. My guest has been Kathy Narcavage Bradley. She's a registered nurse and she is the coordinator for Upstate's Best Beginnings, Childbirth, and New Family classes. I'm Linda Cohen and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air.